reasoning with God in prayer. This subject's very broad. It's a huge subject with many Bible examples. This is not exhaustive. These slides are only an introduction to it. I believe that other than short references to this fact, it's been 32 years since I preached it in 1987 in the long outline called Effectual Prayer. I want to exhort you tonight to embrace the slides with verses. You know, I only have a few pictures tonight. Sorry, children. And God's words are the most precious words. And we want to lay hold of them and believe them. We should pray intelligently. We should pray intelligently as Christians, for our God is wise and he expects us to pray intelligently. He gave us intelligence so that we could reason, discuss, debate, argue, and bring our best reasons to him in prayer. We should pray intelligently for a second reason, because vain repetitions done without intelligence are vain. That's why they're called vain repetitions, because they're worthless and profitless. That is a vain repetition. That's the rosary of the Catholic Church. That's 165 prayers. That's 150 prayers to Mary and 15 prayers to the Father in heaven. That's ridiculous. We want to pray intelligently. Catholics are taught to pray mindlessly. Jesus said, when ye pray, use not vain repetitions like the rosary as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But that isn't true. They think that by volume, they think that by quantity, they're going to be heard. And Jesus said that isn't true. Paul taught, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. Paul did not want men in the church at Corinth or women in the church at Corinth praying in an unknown tongue by the Spirit. He wanted them praying with the understanding where they knew what they were saying and how they were reasoning with the Lord. I will pray with the understanding. That's praying intelligently. We should pray intelligently for wise praying. Wise praying. Praying in which you're bringing arguments and angles to bear on the Most High God to convince Him to do something for you that you need done. Wise praying is effectual praying. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Daniel in his prayer referred to this at least twice. This is the earnestness or passion of our praying, but this is the effectiveness of our praying. Effectual means something that produces its intended effect or adequately answers its purpose. It means effective. When you look up the other five uses of effectual in the New Testament, it means praying that is effective. There are ways to pray that work, and there are ways to pray that do not work. That is effectual praying back here. The effectual, the effective praying that accomplishes its intended purpose that's done fervently by a righteous man availeth much. There's a way to pray in content, and there is a way to pray in spirit, and there's a way to pray in conduct. Are you with me on those three things? This is conduct right here, the righteous. This is the way in spirit, and this is the way in content. And the Lord expects us to pray intelligently in content. 
Teach us to pray, Lord. When we just go through those few verses and think about it, it should lead us to say, teach us to pray, Lord. We want to pray the right way so that we can accomplish as much as we should with our almighty God and heavenly Father. Luke 11, it came to pass that as he was praying, the Lord Jesus in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus was praying. A disciple saw, heard, and asked Jesus to teach. Teach us to pray. And so Jesus taught them a form, a form of prayer, a format, an outline of prayer is a better word for it. An outline of prayer. After this manner. It doesn't say after these words. Because the Lord's Prayer can become vain repetitions when it is just quoted in a public assembly or repeated in a public assembly. Can everyone see the screens okay? After this manner, pray, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And amen and amen. What a great outline for prayer. And this was the result of a disciple watching and hearing Jesus and asking, Lord, teach us to pray. It's a learned behavior. Intelligent prayers have six parts, and I appreciate our joy club for emphasizing these to our children. Intelligent prayers start with praise. If you go back to the Lord's Prayer, you'll see these. They can, we confess our sins, we thank God, we intercede for others, we petition on our own behalf, and we close in Jesus' name. Now, of course, when Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, you didn't pray in Jesus' name yet, until the resurrection from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, then they prayed in Jesus' name. That's John 16, verses 23, and verses around it. Intelligent prayers have six parts, and if our children can memorize these six parts, we can memorize them, and we put them in this order. We start off by praising God, confessing our sins, thanking Him for all that He has already done, interceding for others, petitioning Him for ourselves, and in the name of your holy child, Jesus. But there's more than six parts. There is reasoning with God in prayer that he accepts. He accepts us reasoning with him. He wants us to reason with him. He wants us to wrestle with him. And he answers prayers that reason with him. What does it mean to reason? Well, here's the verb, reason. To bring reasons, now that's a noun, or arguments, why, a person should do what you ask or need them to do. To bring reasons. To bring a list of reasons. To bring a list of arguments why God should do what we're asking Him or what we need Him to do. You say, that sounds, that sounds a little scary to me. It sounds like you're trying to push God around. You, Thank you. Thank you. There's one soul. Thank you. Thank you again. We're supposed to push Him around. Have you ever seen a wrestling match where they didn't try to push each other around? 
Jacob wrestled with the Lord, and he wasn't going to let him go. And we want to push the Lord that way. I do not mean anything I'm saying irreverently or disrespectfully about the Most High God, but he wants us to wrestle with him. And so when we reason in prayer, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. That's a, that's a verb that's in the Bible. It's bringing reasons or arguments why God should answer us. See, that's pushing people around. Wrestling is pushing, and we want to wrestle with God. Do not let him go. Wrestle with him. Bring to, bring to bear everything you can. The most righteous life, the most fervent praying, and the best content of reasons why he should want to answer you. Wrestling with God in prayer is to bring every angle and argument to bear that you can think of, to convince him to hear and answer you. That's what praying is in the Bible. And I've got so many uh, examples tonight. There's no school tomorrow, right? And there's no work tomorrow. Reasoning. We reason with God by never giving up. So far, we've just looked at Jacob wrestling with the Lord. We never give up, and we use all our might to convince him to do what we're asking or what we need. There's five persons in this picture. And I'm sorry, ladies, but Sarah didn't look that bad a year after she had died. Read the Bible. Anyway, I didn't need to say that. Oh, forget her. You know why she's there? She's laughing. And the Lord said, you laughed. And she said, no, I didn't laugh. This is the Lord coming to meet with Abraham. And for whatever, that's another picture, but it, that's not true according to the Bible facts because he ran from his tent door and threw himself down before those angels that appeared. Here is a great Bible example right here. This is huge. Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, you're only 18 chapters into the Bible of 1,189 chapters. Abraham is sitting in the door of his tent and three men approach and he knows that they are important men. Because it is God and two angels in the appearance of three men. Here's a great Bible example to introduce holy reasoning with God that worked. And so I'm going to start with one of the simplest ones and one of the examples that is known best about reasoning with the Lord. God told Abraham after Abraham fed them and they began walking away toward Sodom, God told Abraham that he planned to destroy the city of Sodom. Now Abraham's nephew Lot lived in Sodom with a family of ten. There was two of Lot and his wife. There were three married daughters that had married boys from Sodom High School, so that's six. And there were two unmarried daughters still at home, and so that made ten. And Abraham knew that he had a family of ten in the city of Sodom. So Abraham prayed. And tonight is about reasoning with the Lord in prayer. Abraham is with the Lord, and so it is described as talking, but he's praying. Because prayer is talking to God. Prayer is asking God. Abraham prayed to God to save the lives of Lot and his family. And here's how he went about it. Here is how he did it. It's shocking. 
It's going to push you out of your comfort zone to pray like this. But this is Abraham, the friend of God. This is Abraham, the father of the faithful. This is how he prayed. He used holy reasoning. And when I use this word, I mean reasoning that is not carnal, reasoning that is not fleshly, reasoning that is not foolish, reasoning that is not worldly, but reasoning that is acceptable to a holy God. Abraham drew near. He heard what God was planning to do to Sodom. Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Are you planning on killing righteous people along with the wicked? That be, that be far from thee. Don't you even think of doing such a thing. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. That's wrong. And that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Don't do wrong in this matter of Sodom. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You're describing something that's wrong. But shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Shouldn't you do what's right regarding this city of Sodom? They're not all wicked in there. There's some righteous. You say, I'm uncomfortable hearing you talk this way. I'm sorry. Let's learn how to pray. Notice. Well, we'll just trust the slides to lead us. Abraham told God it was wrong to destroy righteous persons along with wicked persons. Do not think for a second he was irreverent or disrespectful, for God heard it and submitted to it and honored Abraham with his prayer and with his negotiations that we're about to read. Reasoning so far by what is morally right. Abraham was able to tell God it is not morally right to kill the righteous with the wicked. And by the character of God, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You say, I'm scared to talk to God that way. Well, get over it. He's made himself vulnerable to us, and he wants us to wrestle with him. I think it's kind of scary when God says, listen, it's almost morning time. Let me go. I need to go. No, I will not let you go until you bless me. Doesn't that scare you? But you like that one. You should like them all. What is morally right and the character of God, two of the highest things that we can ever appeal to in praying to God is what is morally right and about God's character. This is powerful reasoning. The righteousness of the situation and God's character or his attributes of being a righteous God. Abraham did not pray, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I really feel sorry for Lot. He's my nephew. Do you know he's my nephew? We've been friends for a long time. We've hunted together. Lord, please take care of Lot. Remember, he's got kids. He's got a wife. He's got a 401k. If you burn up Sodom, it's all going to go. None of that. Don't anybody be offended. Let's just learn from the word of God. Do you want to see Abraham pray? He goes right after it. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? How can you burn up the, the righteous along with the wicked? Such words, these words, Lord, we thank you for this day. You can't find them in the Bible. It's okay. Such words remind me of this letter writing skill. Hi, how are you? I am fine. 
We need to go a little bit better than that when we're wrestling with the Lord. You will never pin anyone, even a little child, with that kind of language. But we want to pin the Lord. Abraham prayed, If you destroy righteous people in Sodom, it will be wrong. And you're the judge of all the earth, and you can't do wrong. Thank God to see Abraham negotiate with God for his nephew's family in Sodom. And this is a God came to Abraham and told him before he even burned up Sodom. He could have just burned up Sodom, but he came to Abraham and talked to him and told and told the angels that were with him, I know Abraham. He's going to lead his household in the way of the Lord. God had a very lofty idea and and measurement and opinion of Abraham. So don't think lowly of Abraham and don't think lowly of me for wanting to teach you about Abraham and how he prayed. So here we go. Peradventure. Now we were back here, way back here. Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? That be far from thee to do after this manner. Just keep that in mind. And then in the middle he said, Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. I'm saying to you, Almighty God, that you will not burn up the righteous with the wicked because it's wrong. What if there's 50? Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? The Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And so here's the negotiation. You're familiar with it. Those of you that read your Bibles every year, you go through this. But I want you to slow down your reading. It is not quantity of reading. It is learning the lessons of your reading. And there is a powerful lesson here on wrestling with the Lord in prayer by holy reasoning. So Abraham starts out with 50. Now he knows he's only got 10. But he starts out with 50. That's his first error. He started out too high. And what's his second error? He quit too soon. But let's just leave that alone for now. And Abraham answered and said, I love this so much. Wrestle with the Lord. Lord, I'm single. It hurts. You said it is not good for the man to be alone. It pains me. Do you know that it causes me this and this and this? Lord, help me. Save me by your mighty power. Your perfect will in Eden brought an Eve to Adam from a rib. Surely you can bring one for me. Wrestle with them. Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. And you do throw statements like this in when you're wrestling with the Lord. You do remind him that you know your place and you know his place. But you don't quit. You just remind him that you know the relationship. I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. I've opened up negotiations now with the Most High God. Peradventure, he's used that word before, there shall lack five. What if I don't get quite to 50, but there's 45, Lord, of the 50 righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for just lack of five? Could we fudge a little bit, Lord? And drop down to 45. And he said, the Lord said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. Oh, what a God. And he, Abraham, spake unto him yet again and said, 
Peradventure, yeah, this is the third time. Peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. I will not do it for 40's sake. Oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Peradventure, yeah. There shall 30 be found there. Lord, don't get angry with me. Go ahead and go ahead and throw that out there. Lord, don't be angry with me, but I want a wife. You said it wasn't good, and I'm saying amen and amen. And I know I'm not God, and I know that your will is perfect, and I know that you have perfect timing, but right now would be great timing. You say that's too bold. No, not with this God, not with our God. Peradventure there shall 30 be found there. He said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Yeah. Peradventure, there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. Do you think this is disrespectful? Is God offended? God is thrilled. You going to go low enough, my friend Abraham? Are you going to go low enough? Because God already knows everything. The end from the beginning. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. Yes, you can throw something like that in if you think you're pushing the edge of the envelope. I will speak yet but this once. I'm only, gonna, I'm only going down one more time, Lord. Peradventure. Can you believe this? Ten shall be found there. Will you save the city? And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way. Oh, don't let him. Don't let him Go. Abraham gave up too soon. As soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place, Abraham thought he had saved the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the plain. He thought everything was covered because he knew that Lot had a family of ten, and surely when they're warned, they're going to come out of that city. Did you follow Abraham's prayer? God, are you going to do something wrong? Will you spare for 50? Are you going to do something wrong? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And then it's 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Reasoning. By what the facts likely are. Abraham reasoned by what he thought was in the city of Sodom, and that was a family of 10. Go ahead and tell the Lord that you are dust and ashes and appeal to him not to be angry with you while you're wrestling with him just in case you're worried that you're pushing the edge of the envelope. Just go ahead and tell them, don't be angry with me. I want to pray like they prayed in the Bible. Abraham's only mistakes were starting too high and not going low enough. Example, we use this case. We in this church have for decades used this Bible example, this case, when we pray for God to spare America for the sake of the righteous in it. And we ought to keep right on praying that. Because there are righteous people in this nation from shore to shining shore. And it's on their basis that he'll save this country. This country doesn't deserve saving. There's nothing in its government. There's nothing much in its leaders to justify its saving. But the righteous within it, we pray this way. And we want to keep praying that way. Did Abraham's aggressive, bold approach to prayer work? Do not think for a second. He was irreverent or disrespectful for God heard and submitted and reasoned and negotiated all the way down to 10. 
And it came to pass, this is the next chapter, it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham. That kind of praying gets God remembering the prayer warrior even though the conditions weren't met for the prayer warrior's request. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. Abraham had prayed his guts out, peradventure seven times, and worked himself down to ten, but there weren't ten, and so God saved Lot anyway for Abraham's sake. Abraham's aggressive, bold approach worked, though ten righteous souls were not found. There were only four, and they weren't righteous. Do you read your Bible? Brethren, do you read your Bible? Are you going to read your Bible in 2020? There is much more than just history. When you're reading through Genesis, as soon as you get to 18, you've got a great example of prayer. Read carefully. Read slowly to learn how great men prayed. And Abraham was a great man. Like Abraham, but different, Jeremiah appealed to God to honor how he treated enemies. So here goes another example. Give heed to me, O Lord, Jeremiah said and prayed. Hearken to the voice of them that contend with me. I've got enemies fighting me in Judah. Give heed to me, Lord. Shall evil be recompensed for good? For they have digged a pit for my soul. They are trying to trap me. Remember that I stood before thee to speak good for them. I interceded in prayer for them. Now they're digging a pit for my soul to turn away thy wrath from them. I tried to save them from your wrath. Reasoning. By good versus wicked conduct. Jeremiah went after the fact that, Lord, I prayed for them to be saved from your wrath, and I warned them, but they in return are trying to dig a pit for my soul and destroy me. And so he appeals to that. Uh, Watch his appeal. I've treated them fairly. They've treated me unfairly. Therefore, deliver up their children to the famine and pour out their blood by the force of the sword. Let their wives be bereaved of their children and be widows. Let their men be put to death. Let their young men be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses when thou shalt bring a troop suddenly upon them. For they have digged a pit to take me and hid snares for my feet. This is a mighty man of God named Jeremiah. Yet, Lord, thou knowest all their counsel against me to slay me. Forgive not their iniquity, neither blot out their sin from thy sight, but let them be overthrown before thee. Deal thus with them in the time of thine anger. This is wrestling with the Lord against enemies that are trying to stop the ministry of the word in the city of Jerusalem for the salvation of the very ones that were persecuting Jeremiah. The reasoning, their cruelty deserves vengeance. Example, if you have an enemy, ask God to see your fairness to them and their cruelty in return. David did it so well in Psalm 35. I mourn for them like a man mourns when he loses his mother. Genesis 28, Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and, put, and raiment to put on, Four things. 
so that I come again to my father's house in peace. That's another thing. Then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house, Bethel, the house of Elohim. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. This is a great prayer in Genesis 28, when Jacob slept that night with a stone for a pillow and woke up in the morning. He had seen a vision during the night of angels ascending and descending on a ladder from heaven, and he made this prayer and vowed a vow. Reasoning. You can reason with God by attaching a vow. So that Jacob said, God, if you'll be with me, if you'll keep me in the way that I go, because he was all alone. All he had was a staff when he had to leave his father Isaac for fear of Esau killing him. If you'll keep me in this way that I go, if you'll give me bread to eat, if you'll give me clothes to wear, and you'll bring me back to my father's house in peace by protecting me, you'll be my God, this will be my place of worship with you, and I'll surely give a tenth of all that I make. And so there's an arrangement. This is negotiating. This is reasoning. This is giving a vow. This is not saying, Oh Lord, I, I miss my father. I miss my father and I miss my mother. I miss the home cooking. I miss the well water from there. Lord, do you know that I'm kind of lonely? It's just not the way they prayed. Readjust. Don't, you don't need to tell God details about those things. He already knows all the details and a whole lot more than you know, even though they're about you. Wrestle with them. Lord, if you'll do these things, bang, 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 then I will do these things, bang, bang, bang. And that's a, that's a beautiful vow and a beautiful arrangement, and it worked. Did Jacob come back? He came back with so much stuff, he had to divide it into two bands just to survive on the land. Reasoning by attaching a vow. The limitation on vows is to make sure you pay. So vow wisely and pay every vow, as Solomon warns. But it doesn't say don't vow. It just says vow carefully and pay every vow. Wrestle with God. And do not let go. Genesis chapter 32. We were at Genesis 28 with Jacob. Now we're in chapter 32 with Jacob. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac. Look at this reverence and name dropping. You're the mighty God that took care of Abraham. Can you think of all the ways that God took care of Abraham? You're the mighty God of Isaac that took care of Isaac. The Lord... You said to me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Jacob had been gone for 20 years. God said, it's time for you to return. Return to thy country and thy kindred. I will deal well with thee. And, and Lord, you said, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Jacob was having trouble believing that future for him because Esau had said the next time he saw him, Esau would kill him. So what does Jacob do? He invokes things that God had said to him and reminds God of them. Does God have a memory better than Jacob? Then what is Jacob doing? Jacob's praying the way we should pray. Using the example I've already used. Lord, you said that it was not good for the man to be alone. I've been alone now this many months from when I could have been married. What are you going to do about it? 
You said it's not good. You say that's too aggressive for me. Enjoy your single state. Get, wrestle with the Lord. Right. Reasoning. By promises God spoke. Right. Numbers 14. God told Moses, stand back. I'm going to incinerate this nation. I'll start over with you. Moses said, I beseech thee. Let the power of my Lord be great. Show me your great power according as thou hast spoken when you said to me, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. Lord, show me your power and remember what you told me. You told me that you're long-suffering and of great mercy. This is Moses interceding for three million sinners. He doesn't say, Lord, thank you for this day. He says, Lord, show me your mighty power and remember what you told me. You told me when you showed me your glory that you forgave sin. Remember. This is another example. What happened? The Lord said, I remember. I did say that. I'll take 40 years to drop their carcasses. But he did not incinerate the nation right then like he had told Moses he would do. Here's Nehemiah with a similar situation. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, notice, you said this, Lord, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. And that's where the Jews had been in Babylon. But now Nehemiah is coming back, wants to come back at this particular point. But you said, you said, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. This is Nehemiah wrestling with the Lord. You said that if we sinned, you would scatter us. But you also said, if we would repent and keep your commandments, you would restore us to Jerusalem. Did he? Yes, he did. Did he hear Nehemiah? Yes, he did. Did he bless Nehemiah's expedition and campaign to Jerusalem to help build that city and temple? Yes, he did. By reasoning, with promises God spoke. God hasn't spoken to us, so we reason with him by Scripture. Daniel chapter 9. Watch. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem, as it is written in the law of Moses. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. This is Daniel reasoning with the Lord, not by something God said to him, but by something that was written right here, which is what we can do. By promises God wrote. Acts 4, New Testament prayer meeting. 
And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. That is praise. When you think about the components of a proper prayer, this is praise and exalting God. Who? And now he's going to quote scripture. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Psalm 2, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. That's straight out of Psalm 2. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. You said in Psalm 2, that the kings of this earth would stand up against the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, and they better kiss the son, lest he be angry just a little and they perish out of the way. They're threatening us now. Are you going to fulfill that chapter? What does the next verse say in Acts chapter 4 and verse 30? Please assuage the goosebumps on my neck. What does the next verse say? And the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and went out and preached the word of God boldly. Reasoning. What was the form of reasoning? By promises God wrote. In the New Testament, they appealed to Psalm 2. Example. A husband and wife can reason with God to hear their agreement of two. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. It's written. Do you believe it? Are you willing to take it and learn a new hold? I speak as a wrestler. Are you willing to take it and learn a new hold? I would love to tell some stories about labor and childbirth when I was too busy to be interrupted with labor or childbirth. And Sherry would beg me night after night, will you pray with me? No, I have too much going on right now. Just hold on. Just hold it in. But we, we know. That's a verse. Grab it. Use it. Example. Remind God of his promise to give wisdom liberally for asking. If any man lack wisdom, what does the Bible say? It's written down for us. He just lays it out there for us. It's a new hold. Grab James 1.5 and quote it to him. Do you ever pray with an open Bible? Do you quote him verses? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth them not. And go for it. This is wrestling with the Lord. This is reasoning with the Lord in prayer. Lord, you said it. Lord, you wrote it down. I'm claiming it. And this isn't Benny Hinn preaching to you. I haven't asked you to sow a seed yet tonight. I will before we finish. I speak as a fool. I'm not doing that tonight. I want you to learn how to wrestle with the Lord. 2 Chronicles 14, 11. This is Asa. He faced the largest army in the Bible. One million Ethiopians. There's no army close to it in the Bible. And Asa cried unto the Lord. That's a prayer. Cry. Isn't that what we heard on Sunday before we began our service? With Adam Wells exhorting us in the back room? 
Praying is sometimes crying because it should be passionate. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. This is nothing. You won't even have to exert yourself to help us. You're so mighty and powerful. Whether with many or with them that have no power, we are nothing up against this huge army of a million. We don't have any power, but it's nothing for you to help us. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. You use words like this. Almighty God, we are trusting thee. We cannot do it ourselves. We are helpless. We are hopeless, except for thee. And in thy name, we go against this multitude. Do you know how many strings he's pulling in this verse? Do you know how many holds he's putting on the Lord in this verse? It's a handful of them. This this verse should excite you. O Lord, thou art our God. You're not going to let man beat you, are you? Let not man prevail against thee. Say that to the Lord. Some, you're not going to let man beat you, are you? A tremendous story in the Bible. Amen. Reasoning. By irrelevance of numbers. Amen. God told Hezekiah through Isaiah, there be more with you than with them. Same with the little boy in 2 Kings 6. Irrelevance of numbers. See, Jonathan knew. Jonathan knew this. He told his armor bearer, it doesn't matter whether it's many or few. Listen, we're bored. Let's go take on a garrison of the Philistines. It's no problem. That's just bold. That's aggressive. You say it sounds like it's tempting the Lord. Are you kidding? When God said, kill your enemies and take over Canaan? And by not letting man win, Lord, don't let man win. Get yourself the glory. You're our God. We have no help. We have no power without you. Look at this host. Look at these numbers. But we're going in your name. Help us. Example. Lord, bless our little church, for we preach thy truth, and let not popular types like Joel Osteen prevail. And this is how we should pray. And we got a little ways into it. These are not difficult to follow. And I hope that over the next day or two, you might follow the rest of these examples because there's many more about wrestling with the Lord. Assess, assess and examine yourself if your praying is a result of parents, habit, books, comfort. Assess it, examine it. And be willing to change it because proper praying is learned behavior. And there are three components in James 5.16. The content, that's effectual, using content like this. Then there's the spirit of prayer, which is to be fervent and passionate. And there's the character of prayer of being righteous. Don't overemphasize any one of them. Make sure you use all three. God's never expected a man to be perfect for his prayers to be heard. Asa forgot to take down the high places, and yet his heart was perfect with the Lord, and the Lord helped him beat one million. Live a righteous life. Pray fervently and passionately for God's greater glory. Walk through your house. 
Go walk in the backyard. Punch the air. Shout his name. What's wrong with that? And reason with him. I want my children to see this. I want my children's children to see it. Save our church for the truth's sake. Don't let man prevail. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.